Morning Sermon Audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Today we continue our newly begun summer series on the Psalms, the Songs of Summer. And today we're looking at Psalm 23, which I believe addresses a, um, an issue that I think is relevant for all of us. One of our pursuits, I think that is universal as humankind, is we pursue happiness. We desire to be content, joyful, at peace, at rest. And Psalm 23 is a good reminder of where we will find that. Today, people have a hard time knowing where to look to find happiness. And happiness can't be measured by one's wealth, someone has once said. For instance, a person with $18 million may not be one bit happier than a person with $17 million. <laughs> a man on the street once said, you know, I'd be happy if just, if I only had $100. And someone passing by overheard him and said, well, here you go, here's $100. And he looked at the $100 and said, mm, I wish I'd asked for 200 <laughs> This week I was listening to a valedictorian at a graduation speech. And uh, the young people today also don't know where to find happiness, where to look for it. It is very elusive. We think that if I just pursue it, I will find it. And yet no matter how much we have attained, how much wealth or prosperity or power or influence, straight A's, whatever it is that we're looking for, we still wish there was a little bit more. Gary Larson is a cartoonist uh, who wrote a series called The Far Side. Uh, thankfully today you don't have to imagine this picture. I'm going to show it on the screen in just a moment. But it is also about happiness and contentment. Try not to look at the, uh, the tagline until you've seen the picture first. Could you show that picture for me, please? You can see a picture window. You see a cow by the window. You can see that she's dressed with a pearl necklace and uh, bracelets and a martini glass in hand. And she turns to her, I assume, the husband, the bull, sitting there with, I guess, a beer can and watching TV, and she says, Wendell, I'm not content. Parents, you'll have to explain that to your kids tonight. Do you see what that is? How much she has as a cow looking out at the pastures, and yet she's not content with their life. Well, I thought that it would be a little bit more humorous, but I guess it takes a while to get that. <laughs> that was humorous then. <laughs> the United States Constitution guarantees its citizens the inalienable right that they are endowed by their creator, and among those rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But it doesn't point the U.S. citizens in the direction of the creator, who is the ultimate satisfaction and the source of satisfaction, and we will only be completely satisfied when we are satisfied completely by Him. And that's what this song reminds us as well, that God alone is a fulfillment of our deepest longings. Because in this Psalm 23, David gives us some images of green pastures, which is like the perfect setting for sheep. But he draws us to the loving and good shepherd. He gives us images of lavish banquets, and again draws us then to loving the host more than the banquet. He describes these beautiful scenes as well as some dark ones, and he reminds us that God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So let's read together from Psalm 23. 
If there's ever a psalm to memorize, I would definitely recommend this one. Don't wait until it's read at your funeral before you hear it for the first time. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Then the imagery changes a little bit. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Five things, or five truths that we read from this psalm that David reminds us of about the Lord. Number one, he provides for me. He provides enough so that I shall not be in want, he says. And one of the primary duties of a shepherd, as you may well know, is to make sure that his sheep lack no food. The sheep have to stay well-fed in order to be healthy. And if the sheep are not healthy, then they're also of no use to the shepherd. And so sometimes the shepherd has to lead his sheep, migration, to make sure that they are also well-fed. Another duty of a shepherd is to protect them, because the sheep can wander off, and they can get lost. The sheep are also susceptible to vicious predators. And that's why the sheep are either kept in folds or else they're allowed to pasture out in the fields, but then they're watched. And a third duty for a uh, shepherd is to care for them when they're injured or sick, because sheep, like most animals, are susceptible to injury or sickness. And the typical shepherd may not be a trained veterinarian, but at least has enough experience to provide for the initial care needed. And David says that God is the one who provides for what we need just like a good shepherd provides for his sheep. Two of our most basic needs are food and clothing. And Jesus, our good shepherd, says to us, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus asks us to consider how the birds are fed and how the grass of the fields are beautifully clothed, even more beautifully than even Solomon in all of his splendor. And Jesus reminds us, his sheep, your heavenly Father knows that you need them, meaning food and clothing. So if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, Jesus says all these things will be given to you as well. Do you realize that in the Old Testament, there's at least two indicators of what it means to be poor? And it has to do with food and clothing. When you don't have more than one outer garment, then the Bible considers you poor. In fact, there were laws that if you were ever uh, to lend out money and a poor person would give his outer garment, his cloak, as a pledge to you, then even though this person couldn't pay you back by evening, you are required, because he is poor, to still give back his pledge. In Deuteronomy 24, it says, If the man is poor, do not go to sleep with his pledge in your possession. Return his cloak to him by sunset so that he may sleep in it. Then he will thank you, and it will be regarded as a righteous act in the sight of the Lord your God. So clothing was one area, and food was another area to demonstrate whether or not you were poor or whether you were rich. 
Deuteronomy chapter 24 says, do not take advantage of a hired man who is poor and needy, whether he's a brother Israelite or an alien living in one of your towns, pay him his wages each day before sunset because he is poor and is counting on it. Otherwise he may cry to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. Do you see what the Lord is doing with his law here? He's ensuring that his sheep at least have food and clothing. Now Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. And that's because worry is a sign that you lack trust in your heavenly father to be a good shepherd to his sheep. David says that since the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Sometimes we think it means he, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't, I don't want him. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No, I shall not be in want. But worry says, well, there are things that I need and I'm not sure I'll be able to obtain those. And so we begin to worry. But when you say the Lord is my shepherd, you're saying, I trust him. And when you worry, you're saying, I'm out here on my own. Because worry is not forethought, it is fear thought. And what you need really is faith thought. And Jesus himself is the good shepherd. Why? Because he has an intimate and familiar relationship with the sheep of his flock. That's us. He knows us by name. And we can hear him when he calls. He goes on ahead of us. He leads us out to pasture. He has come to give his sheep life and to have it to the full. And Jesus says he has laid down his life to protect his sheep. And so, like a good shepherd, God wants us to enjoy a worry-free life as we trust him to provide for us what he knows we need. So the first of these truths we have to understand that David is reminding us of is that God provides for me. What else does he do? Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. God gives us rest and refreshment for our souls to be restored because the sheep of a good shepherd can enjoy the rest and the quiet and restoration when they are led to the right places because the best pastures for sheep are lush green fields of grass and clovers and forbs and other pasture plants and there the sheep can graze all day and they can find places to lie down and rest and digest and the sheep of the good shepherd they're led to ample supplies of water apparently sheep drink between half to four gallons of water daily that's a lot of water and on a warm day if they're exposed to the sun nothing refreshes like cool water and like a sheep being restored by resting in green pastures and being refreshed by water god restores our souls the deepest most inner part of our being that's what david is referring to our soul it's sometimes referred to as our life or our self our mind our heart it's that person who we are on the inside the part that's eternal not our outer physical bodies and that innermost being is that place where we can sense that there's trouble or else that we can receive our comfort i know many of you here perhaps carry around a constant insecurity because you don't know what your future looks like. Or some of us here are weighed down by conflicts with other people. It's difficult sometimes to get along with others. Some of us here are torn apart by emotional pain and hurt. We live in an imperfect world. Perhaps you have been hurt by someone else. Some of us are in anguish as we think about the, all the possible outcomes in our future. Some of us are wrestling with our addictions or our doubts or our fears, 
Maybe even some of us are wrestling with demons. But God wants us to receive our rest and our refreshment and our restoration from Him because He restores our souls. The most significant way that He restores us, of course, is that He has provided a way of salvation. When we take His way of salvation, He restores our soul to the original plan. What was the original plan? When God created us, we were created for Him, to enjoy Him, to love Him, to be in His presence forever, for Him to also dwell in us. But sin separated us from God. When Adam and Eve chose their own way, they listened to the serpent. What he was offering, they said, that looks better than what God is offering. And so sin separated us from God, and His Spirit could no longer dwell in us, and every living person since Adam is spiritually dead unless they are reborn. And that's why Jesus sacrificed Himself to pay for our sins. That there hanging on the cross, He died not for His sins, but ours, our rebellion, so that once again the Holy Spirit could dwell in us and restore our souls. And when you think of all that sin has destroyed and taken away, the fact that Jesus died on the cross could make us righteous so that we can be reconciled to Him and that His Spirit could take its rightful place there in the innermost part of our being. And so His indwelling Spirit now provides for us the comfort and the refreshment that we need for our innermost being. Meanwhile, people are looking all over the place except for their Creator to find that restoration, that comfort and refreshment. But His perfect and unconditional love removes any insecurities his forgiveness enables us to restore those conflicts that we have with others. His presence heals any pain and hurt that we may have, that, it, that may, others may have caused us. And His promises comfort us as we anguish over the future. And His power is there to strengthen us in our addictions, to help us resolve our doubts, to calm our fears, and to conquer the demons. Friends, God's Word is the green pasture that we can rest in and the quiet waters to refresh our souls. Because there in His Word, this is where we'll find the truth of His love for us. Here is where we'll find His promises that He's made to us. As we read His Word, that's when we'll sense His presence with us. And you know what? When we begin to apply His Word to our lives, that's when we experience the victory over sin and fear and death and hell. So like a good shepherd, God wants our souls to be restored by the rest and refreshment He provides. So the Lord is my shepherd. First of all, He provides for me, and He restores my soul. And then the third thing, it says also in verse 3, He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Let's take that imagery of the shepherd again. You know, the shepherd has to feed and protect his sheep, and so sometimes he has to migrate with his sheep to take them to the green pastures and the quiet waters. Well, sometimes he has to lead them then along a way that could be dangerous. But the shepherd is expected then to guide them along the right way to ensure that they all survive the journey. And God guides us also in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Hosea 14.9 says this, that the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. See, God revealed His law, His righteousness, His ways to the Israelites so that they would know what are His ways to keep His commandments so that they can love the Lord their God and to walk in all His ways and hold fast to Him. 
God doesn't expect us to find our own way. As we stand there graduating from high school or any point in our lives thinking, I wonder what is going to be best for me. I wonder how to figure out how I will uh, live life and pursue happiness. God has shown us the way, the way of righteousness. He leads us in paths of righteousness. He guides us there to reveal to us his ways, and his ways are higher than our ways. But he guides us so that he can preserve the reputation of his name. His will isn't elusive. It isn't hidden from us where we have to guess in the dark. Sometimes it's very specific and easily discernible. Sometimes it's right there in black and white what God expects of us. Sometimes it takes the form of a direct commandment, or other times it is a principle we can draw from his word as he describes the events of certain uh, activities of his. Oftentimes his will is a path, and a path that is rather broad. It isn't necessarily that narrow of a path that we have lots of options, all within the boundaries of his will for our lives. But all of God's ways are in keeping with his standard of righteousness and of holiness, and his ways define who he is. They're an expression of his love for us. They're not an expression to try to limit us and to try to cause us to have to uh, struggle through life where we can't figure out what we're supposed to be doing. They reveal his knowledge and his wisdom. And so when we follow his ways, we reveal who he is and his reputation, his name. And so like a good shepherd, he wants us to follow his lead. It means we walk in his ways, his will for our lives, and then we'll experience his best for us. So he provides for me, he restores my soul, he guides me in paths of righteousness. And then what else? Verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Friends, like a good shepherd, the Lord is with us through life's dark and evil valleys. I will fear no evil, David says. You know, think of the natural predators that sheep may have. Coyotes, dogs, mountain lions, bears, wolves, even eagles. Sheep are fearful animals. Their instinct is to flee, not fight. And so when they're under attack, they're defenseless. They have no means of protecting themselves except to simply group together. And so a shepherd who will guide his sheep to pastures often has to lead them through some dangers. And there was certainly plenty of opportunity for David as a shepherd to use his staff to guide his sheep and rod, and, and, and rod to protect them. And so as David has been a shepherd to his sheep, he thinks of God as a shepherd to him. Leading through the valley of the shadow of death simply means that it's a valley of deep darkness. It's an image of being vulnerable, being fearful, being, having unseen predators, a great potential to experience harm. And yes, it's true, God may also need to take us through some dark valleys in our lives where evil is present. But God has never promised a life on earth that would be easy without pain or adversity because sin in humankind has destroyed the paradise that otherwise could have existed. What has God promised us? That he will never leave nor forsake us. He will be with us even to the end of the age. And that presence of God with us means even though we may face the hardest difficulties, we don't have to be afraid of them. We can experience his comfort in the midst of them. So often, Psalm 23 is quoted in funerals, probably because it seems to be a door of death that's being described here, because the death seems to be the darkest hour for many. But even death need not be a fearful event. 
See, when David spoke of the rod and the staff comforting him, he experienced the calm that comes knowing that God is the one who corrects and disciplines him. And so like a good shepherd, God protects us so that we don't have to be afraid. And instead of fear, we can experience his comfort. And then what is the fifth? Well, he changes the, the, um, the, the imagery a bit here in verse 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. A picture not so much of a shepherd, but one of a host, a gracious host. And instead of being in the outdoors, it's now in the indoors. The character of God is being, that's being appreciated is his goodness and his love. Because a good host will ensure that your table is set and that you as a guest have ample to eat and drink. And if you think of the tradition of the ancient Near East, the guest also would be anointed with oil by the host with a fragrant perfume or oil. It's, one, it's a picture here of enjoyment, all the good graces of a wonderful host, even in the midst of an enemy. And love here that he's speaking of is this chesed love or chesed love, this mercy sometimes or goodness and kindness and affection Loving kindness, tender mercies is sometimes translated. And as David says, this enjoyment can last always and forever. All the days of my life and forever. We're a welcome guest at the table of the Lord. We will always have a place to dwell in his home. It is the place in the picture of enjoyment, of abundance, of fulfillment, all because God is good and gracious and kind. The truth we can take home from, with us today is that he has also prepared for us an eternal dwelling place to enjoy his presence forever. Yes, there may be valleys of deep darkness and evil and enemies here that we contend with on earth, but the dwelling place that's being prepared for heaven in, in us is a place where he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. You know, when, it, when the Bible describes heaven speaks of quiet streams being replaced by the springs of water of life where the alpha and omega will give to all who are thirsty so david has quiet streams in his mind and in revelation we hear of spring of water of life we will enter we will inherit a kingdom where the cowardly the unbelieving the vile the murderers the sexually immoral will have none of that kingdom it was revealed as a new city to john where the river of the water of life as clear as crystal and a tree of life bearing eternal fruit and leaves which were for the healing of the nations. And heaven, or in heaven, there will be no more darkness or night, for the Lord will give them light. Friends, that is the dwelling place of the Lord, where each of us who are his sheep will live forever. You and I have perhaps already experienced his goodness and grace because we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior. Well, imagine that that's not even all of it just yet. We'll have Jesus Christ and his dwelling place. Our salvation didn't have to be earned. We don't have to prove ourselves before us because he, before him because he chose us, even before the foundation of the world, to love us and to save us. So like a good host, God wants us to enjoy this abundance of his goodness and love in his home forever. So friends, where do you find happiness and satisfaction and contentment? Well, as this psalm is reminding us, it's only found in the Lord himself. You don't pursue happiness, you pursue God. And he provides all that we need. 
He restores our soul. He is the one who keeps us away from evil and uh, not needing to be fearful. He is the one who has prepared an eternal home for us to enjoy his goodness forever. That's why John Piper also says that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. And we'll try to satisfy that longing, that hunger, that, that innermost thirst in us in all kinds of other things. And young people will pursue all kinds of things to try to fill that inner thirst. But people need to point them to the Lord, who is their shepherd, the one who provides for them, who guides them in right paths, who restores their soul, who comforts us from our fears, and who lavishes us with his goodness and his love. So it does require of me something. It requires that I learn to trust him. Do I believe that he will provide for me? It requires that I ask him to restore my soul. He doesn't just come in and choose, okay, you're, you're going to now have to enjoy this restoration. We have to come asking for him to restore our souls. We have to choose to follow him when he guides us in his paths. You can't expect God to bless you if you don't follow his ways. It means also that I have to rely on him to experience his presence. So many instead go through life choosing to trust their own riches and abilities, or they'll find some other way to fill the emptiness of their soul, or they'll follow their own ways and do what's right in their own eyes, and they'll rely on themselves or others for their protection. Friends, what would you rather do? Would you rather enjoy the Lord's presence, trust in him, rely on his provision, or try to do things your own way? So what are you pursuing today? Is it happiness? Is it wealth? Is it power and influence? Is it peace of mind? Is it straight A's? What is it that you are pursuing? Because you will always be trying to satisfy some hunger in you. But all of us and all that we're able to do to satisfy ourselves will only be temporary. I'm sure you've experienced it before. You sit before a really delicious meal. With each bite, you're like, mmm, this is the best I've ever tasted. And it may be a wonderful experience because they maybe make that sushi so good or they cook that steak so perfectly or whatever it is. And you experience that enjoyment for that meal. But guess what happens in the morning? You're hungry again, right? It doesn't satisfy forever. And it's the same thing with anything else we might pursue if it isn't God himself. Because only God will satisfy forever. Only if we pursue a greater intimacy with him as our maker who's made us for himself, only then will we ever be satisfied in our innermost being. So what is it that I encourage you to do now? Well, I encourage you to cultivate a deeper relationship with the Lord God. How do you do that? Spend more time in confession of your sins with him. Spend more time reading his word. Make it a goal to read all of his word. And if you have to follow a systematic guide, do that so that you get all of his word read. Join a life group or commit to a small group of two or three people that are intent on learning and applying God's word. And you know what else you can do? How about cutting out an hour of entertainment to spend that hour instead preparing a Bible lesson that you could perhaps teach someone? Because as you teach others, then you learn his word. Use that hour to read or meditate or memorize the scriptures. See, so many people will fret about the past and they'll stress about the present and worry about the future. And then when I ask, well, how's your quiet time with the Lord? Oh, yeah, I know I need to spend more time with him. 
Well, is it any wonder then that we're fretting about the past or stressing about today or worried about our future? You know, when I look at Psalm 23, I see the Lord is my shepherd. Another way to say this is the Lord is my shepherd. What more shall I want? Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, as we bow before you, we acknowledge that you are God alone. It is you who have created us. You are our maker. We are the sheep of your pasture. And God, we thank you that you lead us beside these still waters and you guide us into green pastures and you refresh and restore our soul. Forgive us, we pray, when we seek to fill the emptiness with all that the world has to offer. Forgive us, Lord, when we give in to the deceit of the liar, the, de the, the devil himself. Forgive us, Lord, when we walk in our own ways and follow our own paths and do what's right in our own eyes. I pray, O oh Lord, that we would take the encouragement from David in this ancient psalm, that we would come to you for our provision, for our restoration, for our protection, for our healing. We would come to you to be fed, to enjoy your goodness and your love, your tender mercies forever. Lord, that our search for happiness and contentment and peace would end because we found it in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.